Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. We've just got back from the Isle of Wight. Tell you all about that in a minute. Where are we? It's, well, I say just got back, it was yesterday. Ten past nine, Saturday morning, 30th of September, 16 degrees centigrade, which is 61 Fahrenheit, 81% humidity, 1026 millibars, and the flag and the cherry tree are barely moving. Blue sky, sunshine, lovely. The Isle of Wight was really nice. The weather was good to us. We got there. Hello, we said we'd come for the key to our chalet. You're not having a chalet, having a caravan. Oh, okay. Six berth caravan for just the two of us. Quite nice. Two toilets, lovely shower, big kitchen and lounge area. We do prefer the chalets, but uh, not much choice. Apparently they're all closed for some reason. The traffic. Oh, here we go. I know I'm always banging on about traffic, but can you blame me? We get to the ferry an hour before it sails. That's what they ask you to do. So we leave here in plenty of time to get to Portsmouth. The traffic. A car had broken down in one lane going into Portsmouth. So the two lanes are having to merge into one where this car is. That was a nightmare. We just got to the ferry on time. So that wasn't too bad, but uh, it's a bit of stress, isn't it? You're sitting in traffic, looking at the time, and you watch, you think, hang on a minute, we're going to be late. Oh, also, I've got a cold. The cold came from Bogner Butlins, as if you didn't know. Trish went there, as I told you, a couple of weeks ago, came back with a stinky cold and sore throat, coughing and spluttering, and I didn't get it. I thought, this is good. This is a result. Young, fit, healthy man like me, it doesn't get me, and then it did. Didn't spoil the holiday, though, because it was the last, what, day before we left the island to come home. So I sound a little bit, I don't know, coldy now. But uh, the traffic, I was just awful. I hate the traffic. Coming back, the ferry was delayed an hour. So you get there an hour early. Then they were saying, you've got to wait your hour and then another hour because one of the three ships had broken down. What is there? St. Clair, St. Faith and... Victoria of White. That's the three ships. St. Faith had broken down. So only two ferries running. Anyway, you don't hear all about that, do you? The island was great. Really enjoyed the break. I won't bang on about the Isle of Wight for the entire hour of the podcast, don't worry. But we did go to the Pooh Museum. Now that's interesting, if ever here on the island. A Pooh Museum. They've got various types of poo. They've got elephant poo and lion poo, human poo. And it's all about pipes and sewers and toilets and urinals and things. It's quite interesting, actually. The lady there that showed us round, she was really knowledgeable about poo. And it was very interesting about what people shouldn't put down the toilet. They got a plastic pipe to show you what happens. There's this fat berg, as they call them huge lump of greasy fat because people put fat down the the drains down the sink down the toilet and it just turns into a fat berg anyway that was interesting that was really nice to look at even though it sounds rather odd the poo museum now another moan before we actually start on about etiquette and all that stuff another moan while we were there i ordered an ipad a new ipad I thought, that's good, I deserve a present. No, I need it, actually. Trish is going to have my old one. I have her old phones, and she has my old iPads. So I ordered it, so it would turn up next week, not actually while we're on the island, because you have to sign for it. That was fine. They said it'll be here Tuesday. Next minute, we get a message, an email. It'll be here tomorrow. Well, that's no good. We were at the island. So we did, Trish took over then, because I get fed up with these people. She took over and she said, no, not tomorrow. Monday will be fine. Right, we'll redo the delivery for Monday. So that was all organised. That was fine. We got home, two cards through the door. You were out, we'll deliver it tomorrow. You were out, you'll now have to come and get it. We had an email that said, oh, anyway, nothing works properly, does it? Why does nothing work properly? Nothing at all works properly. What is wrong with people? It's now coming on Monday. Trish got on the phone. Oh, that's a disaster. This is funny. Automated thing. What is your house number? I'll make up an address. She said, 62. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What is your house number? 62. Did you say 38? No, 62. 
I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Oh, I'm laughing. She's got it on speakerphone. I'm laughing. What is your road name? Oh, dear. And she said, <laughs> well, let's make up one. Acacia Avenue. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What is the name of your road? Acacia Avenue. Did you say High Street? No, I didn't say Meep High Street. And it went on like this. What is your postcode? RH9. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. RH9. Did you say DF4? Oh, eventually she got through this. It was started ringing. A 50 minute wait. This is to talk to someone at the post office. A 50 minute wait. There's this daft music blasting out. In the end, she was laughing as well. She got through to a very nice chap who said, it will be there Monday. And then he said, oh, just before they uh, said goodbye, and that was it all dealt with, it might turn up Saturday. <laughs> oh, dear. It was so funny. It's just disaster, though, isn't it? Disaster after disaster. Doesn't matter who you're dealing with. They're, they're all total I mustn't swear. Let's move on. <laughs> this business about social etiquette. Email from Steve. This is good. This is what kicked it all off, really. Uh, this email came. When did you email me, Steve? I don't know, about a week ago. He says he was out with a, a friend. They'd gone out for lunch together. Just to have a chat, sitting outside this pub, enjoying their ploughman's lunch, as he's put it. And this uh, this friend that he was with, a chap wandered over to him and said, oh, hello, how are you doing? So his friend started chatting to this, this chap and they were talking about his, his car. Steve's friend wandered off with this other chap. He hadn't been introduced, he just wandered off with him. And Steve's left there, he finished his lunch, finished his drink and he's wondering what to do because they'd both gone off across the car park to look at the other chap's car. And Steve said, you know, the, this is where social etiquette is lacking. The first thing you do is say, oh, hello, this is uh, this is my mate Steve, this is so as introduce them. And this happens a lot, Steve, I know. Anyway, he goes on to say that eventually he wandered over to where they were with this chap's car. It was some classic car, I think, they were looking at. And Steve's friend still ignored Steve and didn't introduce him to the other chap. And in the end, Steve thought, well, there's not much point in my being here, really. And and he wandered off. He left the pub and went home because they'd walked there. It wasn't far from where they lived. And he walked home. He thought, well, there's not much point in being here. Anyway, this chap phoned him later and he said, Steve, where did you get to? And Steve told him, he said, well, you seem to have abandoned me. You know, you were with your friend. You didn't even introduce me. So I thought, oh, as I'm not wanted, I'd finish my lunch. I went home. And his friend said, oh, sorry, Steve. Didn't I introduce you? And Steve said, well, no, you just totally abandoned me, you know. Anyway, that's that's interesting, Steve. This, I have had this in the past. I've been with someone and uh, a friend of theirs will come up and I've not been introduced. I just stand there like a, well, I can't say, <laughs> I can't say what Trisha's dad used to say. Stand like, there like a, what is it? Stand there like a, I don't know, a spare drink at a party. That would That'll do. I can't tell you what Trisha's dad used to. Do you know, the other day, there was a song. I was singing along to a song and I changed the words. Now, Trisha has always said, Trisha always said that she always wanted someone like her dad. So I've always said, well, there you are. I'm like your dad. I changed the words of songs to uh, inappropriate words and things like that. Sing along, changing them and being basically rude. And she told me off. She said, oh, don't sing that. I said, oh, come on, you want someone like your dad? She said, yeah, I know. I shouldn't have ever said that because I've got exactly someone like my dad. Anyway, that's funny. I can't tell you the song. Did you play that song? Do you remember I mentioned one by the beautiful South? Did you find that? <laughs> no one's commented on that. Perhaps no one knows what to say. I don't know. But it is funny. I mean, her dad was infamous for that, changing the words of songs. Some of them were. Right, let's move on swiftly. I mentioned last Wednesday on the midweek message about a chap lost in the system. Do you remember that? Now, his wife, hello Helen, she emailed me and she said her husband, Jim, he has a good job. He started there many years ago. Pretty good salary in an office, 
Now, she doesn't say which company, but it's a big company. It's worldwide. And after a couple of years, the job was somewhat menial. He was never quite sure what he was meant to be doing. He sat at a desk and he went through bits of paper, <laughs> things like that. And she says after a couple of years, he was automatically promoted. Apparently, you get a, a salary increase and you go one rung up the ladder, so to speak. That happened and everyone was happy. After five years of being at the company, he was made manager. Now, this was an automatic thing. He didn't actually see anyone. He was made manager and moved into the manager's office. He didn't know that there was ever a manager in this office with manager written on the door. There was never anyone in there as far as he was aware. But now he was in there. Another increase in salary. So that was good. Helen says they were looking forward to having their first baby. So the extra money would really come in handy. Now, she does say that this is a very long story, so she'd had to cut it down. Otherwise, she reckons we'll be here for the whole hour's podcast, which wouldn't be too good. When he first went for the job, he was interviewed by a chap who didn't seem that interested. He just said, yes, can you start Monday? And that was it. Jim started on the Monday. He was on the payroll. He was in the system. Now, this went on. He was never sure what he was meant to be doing. In the manager's office, he had five or six people under him. They'd go into his office. Oh, could you sign this, Jim? And could you sign that? And he'd look at these documents. And, okay, yeah, and sign them. He, I mean, he read them. He didn't just sign willy-nilly. He did actually read them. And he understood what they were. And he got quite friendly with one of the chaps. And he said to him one day in the office, do you know what I'm supposed to be doing? I mean, I'm manager of what? And this chap said, well, you're manager of us lot out here in the big office. And Jim said, yeah, but there wasn't a manager here before, was there? And this chap said, well, no, there's never been a manager. And then you turned up. And he said, to be honest, we don't really need you. I don't know what you're here for. And Jim said, well, neither do I. Helen said that uh, the years passed and he was promoted again. And he ended up, this is sort of the second floor. He ended up on the third floor, not the top you know, where the big bosses were, the big brass. He was on the third floor and he was climbing the ladder. His salary was increasing. He had all sorts of benefits, but he still didn't know what his job actually was. He had a job title, but there was no job to <laughs> to go with the title. This is quite funny, Helen. You're saying here that you both often laugh about it. After about 15 years, Helen and Jim, they'd had a couple of children. They were doing very well. His salary was brilliant, even though he didn't have a job, so to speak. He had a job title and he was on the payroll. The Christmas party, he was milling around, introducing Helen to various colleagues at work. One of the top brass came over and said, hello, who are you? I'm so-and-so. And Jim introduced his wife and himself. And this chap said, what floor are you on? And Jim said, oh, I'm on the third floor. I'm manager, blah, 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 whatever he was at the time. And this chap said, I, I didn't know there was such a, a position. Third floor, you say? And Jim said, yes. And obviously he was getting a little bit worried. Like, oh dear, I've been sussed. <laughs> I've been found out. Well, it wasn't him. It wasn't his fault. He went to work every day. He got his salary. He sat in his office and whatever he did, or whatever he didn't do, I should say. After Christmas, they went back to the office and this top brass chap came down to the third floor and found Jim. And Jim thought that was it. That was it. You know, he was going to be sacked or whatever, moved, whatever was going to happen. It was not good. And this chap said, oh, I do apologise for the Christmas party. Yes, of course. Of course, you're on the third floor here, aren't you? Yeah, this is your office. Yeah, of course. He obviously knew nothing about Jim and Jim's job. But he seemed to think that he should apologise for his uh, behaviour at the office party. And Jim said, oh, no, no problem at all, no problem. And this top brass chap said, well, you're climbing the ladder well. Yes, you, you're doing very well. You know, carry on. There's more promotion in line if you want it. And uh, Jim said, all right. Oh, yes, I'd love that. Yes. A few months later, Jim thought that he should go and confess. And he went up to the top floor to see this chap. And it was the usual, you know, come in, come in. <laughs> I can't do that. The big boss. And he said, look, I've been here for whatever it was, 15 something years. And he said, I've got a job title. I've got a salary, but 
I don't exactly know what I'm supposed to be doing. And this chap was confused. He said, well, what do you mean? You're manager on the third floor or whatever. And Jim said, yes, but basically from the day I've started, I've never had a, a job. I've never had anything to do. And this chap said, oh, I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> he said, this has happened before. People get lost in the system. And Jim was quite relieved. And he said, oh, OK, so what happens now? And this chap said, well, he said, I, I think you're in, in line for a promotion. And Jim said, well, from what to what? And he said, well, you've got a job title at the moment, haven't you? You're on the payroll. You've got a job title. And Jim said, well, yes. So what, what will happen? He said, well, you're job title will change. We're going to put you on the fourth floor. Salary increase, of course, goes with the job. <laughs> and Jim said, I'm sorry, sir, or whatever he called, sorry, sir, but what is this job? And he said, oh, I'll show you the ropes. He said, I'll show you the ropes. So move, move your stuff, get up to the fourth floor. I'll alert the people there that you're on your way. So he did. He moved his stuff up to the fourth floor and he had an office up there. Honestly, Helen, this sounds like a sort of sitcom, but it's not, is it? It's true. And the people said, oh, welcome, Mr. Whatever his surname. Welcome, sir. You know, welcome, Mr. So-and-so. And he moved into the office. And this chap came down the top brass a couple of days later. And he said, how are you settling in? And Jim said, well, fine, but what am I doing? I've got, I've got a telephone here. It never rings. Am I meant to use the phone? What am I meant to be doing? And this chap said, don't worry about it, old boy. Your salary's good, isn't it? And Jim said, well, yeah, very good. And he said, well, just be seen to be doing something. He said, that's all we do up on the top floor most of the time. We're just seen to be busy and we're not busy at all. And Jim, Jim, actually, this is the, the bit that Helen likes. Jim and this chap, they ended up really good friends. Helen and Jim would go out with this chap and his wife They'd have sort of dinner parties at each other's houses. They became really good friends. And she said, Jim, after many more years, ended up on the top floor where he did have to do something. But she said it was an incredible story and she thought she'd like people to hear it. Thanks, Helen. That's brilliant. As you said, there's a lot more to it, but we could spend the, the entire hour going through the whole thing. I've missed quite a bit out, Helen, because of the time limit. But that's fantastic. Thank you so much. He ended up as one of the top brass. It's not what you know, it's who you know, isn't it? Lost in the system. Then he got to know this chap. Wonderful. I love it. Thank you. Nice to hear from you, Paul. You're talking about all the pubs that are closing. I know. They're closing at a rate of so many a week. Is it seven or eight a week? That might not sound a great deal, but that starts to add up, doesn't it? And before we know it, there won't be any pubs left. The thing is, Paul, as the point you're making, is that they are the, the, the centre of the local community, especially in a village or a small town where it's quite a, a close, tight-knit community. Everyone knows everyone else and what they're doing. Everyone knows <laughs> everyone else's business. And, of course, the pub is the... Well, it's a public house. It's a meeting place, isn't it? And they're closing... Paul's saying, what can be done about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, they were saying on the telly the other day, use your local pub more. But the trouble is, is the prices, as Paul points out, the prices of drinks these days, it's prohibitive. Tiff, tiff, tiff. I can't say, I never say that word, prohibitive. Is that right? It's too, <laughs> it's too expensive. Prohibitive. It's too expensive. You might go out for a, a couple of hours, I don't know, a couple of drinks each, and there's 20 pounds gone. Or more, depending on where you are, of course. The price of uh, any drinks is, is hugely expensive. But yes, you're right, Paul. Great loss. He says uh, we've lost our post offices, our local post offices. We're losing our pubs. Everything is just disappearing. What are your thoughts on that? Do you go to the pub? We don't anymore. We go around to our local club, but we very rarely, very rarely go to a pub because of the prices. We did go to the North Star the other day just outside town, well, yeah, almost outside town. And we had a meal there and a couple of drinks. And that was very nice. But to be honest, the only reason we went there was they were doing 40% off meals. And the drinks actually cost more than our two meals put together. So our two meals were cheaper than our, our drinks. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Just going back to that chap who was lost in the system, 
I think there was something on TV decades ago about a chap that worked at a, I think it was a car factory, car manufacturing factory, huge place, you know, like Ford or Vauxhall, one of these massive places that used to be. And I think he was lost in the system. He'd been there for years, years and years. And he didn't actually have a job. He had a job title. I might be wrong. Perhaps some of you might remember that. Some of you that are my age or a bit older. Do you remember that? Some chap that uh, was lost in the system. He just went in every week, sort of did nothing and got his wage packet every Friday. <laughs> That's quite funny. Just shows though how these things can happen. If you remember that, let me know. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Doreen says, do you remember Tales of the Unexpected? I do. In fact, they are replaying them now on which channel? I don't know, some channel or other. You can watch Tales of the Unexpected. I used to love those, Doreen. I think it was the 70s or was it the 80s? Various writers, they were half-hour programmes and there was the twist at the end. And I used to love trying to work out what the twist was going to be. Doreen says that some of them were absolutely brilliant. The twist at the end, you just didn't see it coming. Whereas others, she says, sadly, the majority of them, you see the end of it and think, oh, well, that was obvious. I must admit, Dorian, I do agree. I remember that. I remember being disappointed more often than thinking, wow, that was clever. But some of them were very clever. The twist at the end was very clever. Yes, I do remember that. Tales of the Unexpected. Thanks for that, Doreen. Yes, it's funny, isn't it? A coincidence that uh, I've been watching those recently. I think they're on late in the afternoon, half four or something like that. Doreen's point really is she's saying there's nothing like that these days. Well, that's right. I remember all the programmes back then on the radio as well. Um, evening plays on the radio. Was it armchair theatre, all that sort of thing? fairly short plays and dramas and they've all gone there is one thing we're watching now what's it called maryland it's three episodes we've just finished watching it that's very good about a couple of sisters i don't know whether you've seen that i won't say anything about it in case you you haven't seen it that's very good i do like that that's quite a mystery and the way it all unfolds i like things that are written well good script and good acting <laughs> unfortunately tales of the unexpected when i look back at them now some of the episodes they show i do think the, the acting is dreadful <laughs> i don't know some of the actors that were in the programs back in the was it the 80s they were lesser known then and some of them are quite well known now but the acting honestly they must look back and think goodness me is that really me <laughs> It's great, though, looking back at the old stuff. Talking of pubs and social etiquette, I remember a landlord of a local pub near where I used to live decades ago. He wouldn't serve people unless they said please. <laughs> and it used to cause some problems. I remember one night, a chap came in, pint of lager, and the landlord said, pint of lager what? Well, pint of lager. He said, please. And he said, I don't, I don't serve people who don't say please. This chap said, well, don't then, and walked out. <laughs> Some of them took umbrage. There's a word, I like that. I don't know what it means. They took umbrage, took a fence, not a gate. It was quite funny. But with all due respect to the landlord, it's fair enough. You expect people to at least say please. Hello, Yasmin, nice to hear from you. Yasmin says, the trouble is so many of the old values have gone. And that's true. I mentioned a few weeks back about holding... A door open for a lady. Do you do that now? Some ladies now don't like it. They complain. I can open the door myself. <laughs> All right then. I was brought up to say please, thank you, give up my seat on a, a bus or wherever I might be if uh, an elderly person or pregnant lady wanted to sit down. But so many of these old values have gone. You're right Yasmin, it's a shame. Lots of comments from you about 20 is plenty, war on the motorist and all that. From the Emails I've read, the general consensus seems to be that people don't want this useless business. The 20 miles an hour thing, I think uh, I agree with the majority of people. In small side roads, as for example where we live, 20 miles an hour would be good. That would be a good idea. But not on the larger roads. There's, well, at the end of our road, it's not so much a main road, it's a, a busy road. I think 
30 would be okay there. If you start putting 20 there, the traffic's going to be so slow. It is, I don't think it would work. But I think all side roads off perhaps a busy road should be 20. That seems to be what the majority of people are saying anyway. That's what I think. Look at that blue sky. It's lovely. That really is nice out there at the moment. We've had so much rain. But that's the British summer for you. You never know what's coming next. There was lightning again the other night. Again, from emails, it seems that just about everyone doesn't like the, what was it, the LTN, low traffic neighbourhood thing, where they block off the end of roads. <laughs> you can't go in and out. You have to drive right the way around the block or around several other streets to get to the few yards where you wanted to go, just a few yards up the road, but you're blocked. I think people that, <laughs> that come up with these ideas, I mean, I've always said they're, idiots behind desks. I don't suppose they're all idiots, are they? Yes, you're all nodding your heads now and saying, yes, they are. OK, OK, we'll, we'll go with that. They're all idiots. <laughs> it does seem that way, though, doesn't it? It does seem that people that make up rules and regulations, they don't seem to be in the real world. They seem to be, well, behind their desk somewhere, not knowing what on earth's going on. Now, Morris, hello, Morris, along with several others, said... It's no good, I think I've said this before, Morris, no good really comparing the old days to these days. Less traffic, less people, the usual story, blah, blah, blah. It's chalk and cheese, as he puts it. I agree, Morris, there's not really much point in saying, oh, when I was a boy, the roads were quiet, there weren't so many accidents. Well, of course there weren't. There weren't anywhere near as many cars. The cars, a lot of them couldn't go too fast. Having said that, a lot of them didn't have very good brakes. The brakes these days are amazing. You can stop very quickly, what with ABS and all this stuff. Whereas back then, you had to really push your foot down hard on the brake. And uh, even then, you wouldn't uh, skid to a halt. You would just slow down. But I do agree, Morris, you know, comparing chalk and cheese, isn't it, back then to these days. We've talked about Dixon of Doc Green before. Do you remember Jack Warner playing the police officer in Dixon of Doc Green. People have mentioned that. They've emailed me over the years about that. That's when the local Bobby was on the street walking around or on his bicycle. Would that work these days? I don't know if he had a, a lone policeman on his bicycle cycling up the street. I suppose he got local information, didn't he? I remember, you know, when I was in my teens, 20s, 30s I can't remember certainly teens and 20s local Bobby cycling past and he'd say morning all right and you'd say yes fine thanks or if he had a problem you could say oh hang on could I have a word and he'd stop on his bike and have a chat even come in and have a cup of tea <laughs> I do remember that coming in and having a cup of tea but that was good that was local policing wasn't it you could go up to your local copper and have a chat if you were concerned about something but would that do any good these days, a lone copper on a bicycle? I don't know. When I mentioned pubs closing earlier, I think, did I say seven or eight a week? I think it's a day. More than that even, seven or eight, maybe ten or twelve a day are closing, throughout the entire country, that is. And that's a real shame. When we were on the island, we went to our usual restaurant. We only have one meal out. It's the Culver Inn what is they call it, a carvery or something. It's a pub, basically, and they do lovely food. And it's right up on Culver Down, I think they call it. And on a clear day, from up there, you can see Worthing, my hometown. You can see Brighton on a clear day. 40 miles away it is, but you can see. The trouble is, it started raining. As soon as we got up there, it started raining, and this mist descended, so we couldn't see much. But it was really nice. Wherever we went on, on the island, they said, have you been here before? Yes, yes, many times. Oh, that's all right then. You know where you're going. <laughs> the train. Oh, here we are. The Another moan. Here we go. Raise rants. The train, the steam engine. Haven Street. We love the railway. You have to book. We booked our train ten past ten. So we left early. We always leave early to get to places. We normally turn up an hour early. Roadworks. Right, diversion, go this way. OK, follow the diversion. Road closed, we've got no choice. Go left here, go right there, follow the diversion sign. Eventually, diversion ends. Oh, good. Where are we? <laughs> Nowhere near the railway station. <laughs> so we had to get sat-nav out. At the next Sozo, turn left, turn right. 
we got there we got to the where they go in you know the booking not the booking office the reception thing five minutes i said to the chap we got five minutes to get on that train because he was saying have you got your tickets oh let me check this have you got that would you like a program no we don't want a program want to get on the damn train before it goes anyway we ran up the platform and uh there was our our coach or is it carriage carriage i think a8 that was us a8 and only us in there i hate it when there's other people in the carriage with you we went on the train once this is a few years back and this chap this nerd we had the children with us. They wanted to look out of the windows. And this nerd with his huge video camera said, oh, do you mind if I just sit there? So we moved to one of our grandchildren. And he said, I just want to do a video. And he sat there, he, well, he knelt on the seat there for the entire train ride. Total nerd. And he was going on about how he'd taken videos on thousands of trains all over the world. And anyway, on the way back, he got into our carriage i said you're not coming in here not not near the window you're not oh but i want a video and i said no you're not the grandchildren want to look out of the window anyway he went to some other carriage i mean that's not fair is it the little kids want to look out of the train window not some nerd he said i live with my mother i thought yeah i bet you do live with my mother <laughs> oh, i don't know takes all sorts doesn't it? i mustn't knock people trish is always saying you mustn't put people down you mustn't talk about people like that I don't take any notice of her at all, of course. I can't remember when I was, what, 10, something like that, 10 years old. I did go to the Isle of Wight. I can't remember what the ferry was like. Obviously, it was nothing like the modern ferries we have today. Beautiful ship. It was beautiful ship. We sat up the front in the sort of viewing lounge, which was nice. But I can't remember what it was like in the old days. I do remember going to Alum Bay when I was... I must have been 10 or 11, went with my grandparents, they were weird, and we had this sand, like a test tube of sand, all different colours from Alum Bay, but I wish I could remember what the ferry was like. I do remember the train went on to Ride Pier, now that was a steam engine, back in the 50s, probably early 60s, that was a steam engine that went actually to the end of Ride Pier. I think I went on that when I was uh, that age. That's a long time ago though, so I can't remember. Trisha just bought me a cup of coffee, which is nice. My cold seems to be getting worse. I might not do the hour this time because uh, I'm feeling a bit rough. Mother-in-law's just turned up. Oh, I think we've got quite a few of the family here today. It's our wedding anniversary today, uh, the 30th, Saturday. So all the family are piling round for lunch. So a bit of a shame I've got this cold. I think I might hide upstairs. <laughs> no, I won't hide upstairs. I'll have to say hello to everyone. But a good excuse, though, to keep out of the way. Well, I, I've got this dreadful cold. I, I won't get near any of you. I'll go up to my radio room and chat to some nerd on the radio. No, I, I will go down. We'll probably sit in the garden. The weather is nice. Oh, one place we went to. I've always liked dolls. You know, the old-fashioned porcelain, like Victorian porcelain dolls. I've always liked those. I don't know why. And we went to this place. I can't remember what it was called. And they had some dolls for sale. Some of them were over £100. Very expensive. But there was this one doll, £25. And I said to Trish, what, what do you think? Shall I buy that? And she said, well, where will you put it? So I said, well, probably the dining room or the lounge. She said, no, she doesn't like them. They look at you. You know, they, these dolls look at you. They're, they're rather odd. That's probably why I like them, because they're odd. <laughs> anyway, I didn't buy it in the end. I sort of wish I had now. I took a photo of all the dolls for sale there. I sort of wish I had bought it now. It's only £25. It wasn't much. And it was quite a nice one. I think it must have been 20s or 1930s. It was pretty old and in very good condition. But not to worry. Trish is right. Where would we put it? and it would stare at you, its eyes would follow you around the room, <laughs> which could be a little bit, uh, I don't know, creepy perhaps. There were some other things for sale from the, the good old days. They had children's toys, wooden toys, you know, and tin toys, things like that. I like all that stuff. Anything from the 40s, really, the 40s, the 50s, 60s. I don't like too much going back to the 20s. I don't like that era, the 20s. 
I don't know why, there's just something about it I don't like. But I do like the 40s, the toys, the, the clothes, all that sort of stuff from the 1940s is rather good. Oh, we're going to Amberley Museum tomorrow, talking of the 1940s, which is nothing to do with it. Well, it is in a way. That's tomorrow Sunday when you'll be listening to this. Hopefully you'll be listening to this tomorrow. It's a classic car day. So loads of the family are all meeting over there at Amberley Museum. Classic cars, that's rather nice. And there are very often some big American cars that I can stare at and take photos of and sometimes they're for sale. There was one, we went to Shoreham Airport. There was an air show years ago and this chap had this beautiful, was it a Buick? Lovely Buick uh, convertible, absolutely beautiful condition, turquoise it was. I'm looking at it and I, I said, oh, yeah, I really like something like this. He said, well, this one's for sale. And Trisha's looking at me and I said, oh, is it really? How much? 3,000. That wasn't bad. 3,000 quid. We were having, this is years ago, we had to have a new boiler put in, which was about 2,000, I think, and some other plumbing stuff to do with the central heating. And Trish said, well, you can have the car or the central heating. <laughs> and I know what the winters are like, so I opted for the central heating. But what a car, though. Absolutely wonderful looking thing. The big bench seat. Yes, it was turquoise, the, the bodywork. And all the leather interior, the upholstery, everything was, uh, what, sort of cream, I suppose. Off-white or cream. Beautiful. The steering wheel was turquoise to match the, the colour of the body. Automatic, of course, with the automatic uh, shift thing on the column, on the steering column. All the things I love about American cars. Left-hand drive. Oh, here we go. I'm, I'll start drooling in a minute, so better, cha <laughs> better change the subject. Let's get back to etiquette. That's a good word, isn't it? It's probably French or something. Goodness knows what it means. But talking of etiquette, driving along the road, as you do. I was coming back from the island. This chap... <laughs> <laughs> you all had to merge into one lane. There's roadworks. So this chap, we all had to go into the right-hand lane out of the two, OK? This chap's in the left-hand lane, going past all us cars in the right-hand lane, right up to where you have to merge into one. He didn't join the queue. He thought he'd push in. And that's not etiquette, is it? That's rude. And, you know, no one would let him in. Not one car I was watching... He was indicating to join the queue right up the front. He'd pushed in or tried to push in. No one would let him in. And he just sat there. <laughs> he just sat there indicating. And not one, because they'd seen him. Drive past us all. You know, why jump the queue like that or try to? I don't know what happened because we drove past him. All the cars were bumper to bumper, so he couldn't get in. And he just, he just sat there. I looked in the mirror. For ages he was sitting there. He must have got in eventually. But that's not etiquette, is it? You know, people have got no... I don't know, what, what is wrong with people? Have they always been like that? Were they like that when I was young? I remember my dad, someone blasted him once. He was in the car. I don't know what he'd done wrong, but someone blasted him. And my dad's making signs out of the window at this chap. And this other chap's doing signs back to my dad. And I don't know, I was probably 12 years old. I don't know what it was all about. But I did find it rather funny. So, yes, things did happen back then on the roads. People were rude to each other. I suppose they pushed in. It just seems to happen more and more these days. There was one car that went flying past. I was doing 70 on the motorway, which is the maximum, and he's right behind me, which is dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous at that speed. Eventually, I moved back in to the centre lane, and he went flying past me. The funny thing, it was it was an old van. When I say old, it must have had a new engine or something, because it really did move. He shot past me, and do you know what happened? Miles ahead, we all came to a roundabout. And where was he? Just a few cars in front. So all that, it didn't do him any good at all. He was just a few cars in front of me. What was the point of that? Oh, and another chap, oh dear. Another chap on a motorbike overtook me on a bend... <laughs> he nearly hit a, a tractor. On, this is on the island. There's a tractor pulling a trailer the other way. This motorbike nearly went into the tractor. Stone the crows. Trish and I are looking at each other. <laughs> Nightmare. It shouldn't be like that on the roads, should it?
or was it Rob from Australia? Was it you, Rob, said about, do we still have miles per hour here or kilometres? Um, yes, it's MPH, isn't it? The speedos are, well, they're marked in kilometres as well. But all our road signs are miles per hour. I think it's the same in America, isn't it? I, I must ask my son. I can't remember. I'm sure it's miles per hour out there. But the rest of the world seems to be kilometres. That's something else that should be standard. Everyone, was it Sweden or Switzerland somewhere? Uh, I can't remember. They went over to driving on the right. They did it at midnight one night. They said, right, from midnight tonight, we all drive on the right, not the left, as we do in Britain. This was years, decades ago. We should have done the same thing. I think they had all their new road signs covered up, ready for midnight. And come the, the witching hour, I suppose there were an army of people out there uncovering all the new road signs, covering up all the old ones. And that was it from midnight onwards. That must have been quite interesting, actually. Always swapping the side of the road you drive on at midnight. So everyone going off to work or wherever in the morning in their cars, they're suddenly on the other side of the road. That must have been quite an experience. But we should have done it. Way, way back then, we should have swapped over to the right. While there were far fewer cars on the road and, oh, I don't know, too late now. I think they drive on the left in Cyprus, don't they? I've been to Cyprus several times and I can't remember. Yes, they do. They drive on the left. Same as us. I've never found it a problem going over to France and driving on the right. I haven't found that a problem when we went to, down to Spain because my parents moved to Spain for a few years. We'd get off the uh, airplane at Alicante, hire a car, and of course drive on the right all the way from, what was it? It was a hundred kilometre journey from Alicante to, was it uh, Javier? Javier spelt with a J somewhere there they lived. And I didn't find it a problem. Trish did. She tried driving and she said, I can't do this. I can't do the gear stick with my right hand. It just doesn't feel right. She didn't like it. I suppose some people just take to it naturally as I did and others just can't do it. But it is a shame that we're not the same all the world over. We didn't go to Osborne House again on the island. Osborne House, people abroad might be interested in this because I know you like some of the old Victorian type history. Queen Victoria, the one who supposedly said, we are not amused. Uh, I don't think she did say that, actually. Her and her husband, Albert, old Alb, <laughs> they lived in Osborne House. They, well, I think he, Albert built it, or he was part of the architect. I think he was an architect. They built Osborne House. And they lived there. And funnily enough, we saw a documentary about it a little while ago on the telly. Really interesting. Now, how can I put this? Albert and Victoria were, according to this documentary, they were sex mad. It's true, I tell you. I read it in the paper. No, they said on the telly that they were very much into all that. They had nine children. Nine children. Can you imagine? Nine kids. Struth. And they had a special lock. Albert put a special lock on the, the bedroom door so the kids couldn't come bursting in because they might be doing something. And we've been to Osborne House many times in the past, but I wanted to go and have another look with all this in mind. And in there, I think they had separate bedrooms and then they would share a bedroom from time to time, probably every night from what they were saying on the telly. I wanted to go and have a look. They had paintings on the wall, paintings of people with no clothes on, ladies and men with no clothes on. I always thought, see, this shows how bad history was at school. Had they said, right, we're going to talk about Queen Victoria and her sex-mad husband, we'd all paid attention, all us teenage lads, oh, what's all this about? We would have listened and taken it all in. But I knew nothing about that. I always thought Queen Victoria was some miserable old woman who just didn't like anyone. And Albert was, I don't know what I thought Albert was. He died in his 40s, apparently. But it's fantastic going around that house, Osborne House, where they all lived, knowing that you know this is where they were. This is where they had their, their meals and this is their bedroom. This, oh, she had a shower. Queen Victoria had a shower and a bath. 
And to look at that bath, oh, it's just amazing. I, I love old houses like that with all the history. But we didn't go there this time because we were only there Monday to Friday and we didn't have a great deal of time. This cold's getting worse. Do I sound rough? Do I sound old? I'm not old, I'm young. Went to see my mum this morning. Guess what? She said, I'm 90, you know. I said, yes, I know you're 90, mum. You told us that last Saturday when we were here. She was 90, no, last Monday it was. Oh, I don't know when it was. 90 years old. She tells me how old she is every week when we see her. I'm 90. I'm 90. I'm nearly 90. I'm 90 now. I have said to Trish many times, if I get like that, put me put me away somewhere. Do something with me. Don't let me out in public. No, she's lovely, really, my old mum. She's getting worried, I think, because aches and pains and she forgets things. So do I. She says, oh, I forget people's names. I said, Mum, so do I. I wouldn't worry about it. I always forget people's names. I forget all sorts of things. Trish will say, oh, when you're going out to the car, can you take that bag, put that in the car? I say, yeah, I'll do that now. I go out to the car and forget the bag. And then she says, I told you to take that bag. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I told you to take the bag out to the car. Perhaps I'm going senile. <laughs> Dear, happy days. I haven't had any more MP3s, any audio recordings sent to me. Raise rants at protonmail.com if you want to email me about anything. Perhaps send me some sounds and uh, sound effects or whatever, anything. Perhaps have a rant about something. Yes, have a rant about something. What was your latest car journey like? That should get things going a bit. How do you find driving these days? Is it a pleasant experience <laughs> or is it a nightmare? It was a pleasant experience back in the good old days. It was lovely driving around. My old MG Magnet had a wooden dashboard. Oh, I bet I've gone on about this before, haven't I? What a beautiful car that was. Walnut dashboard. Fantastic. None of this injection moulded grey plastic rubbish. Walnut dashboard. Can you imagine that? Little ammeter, temperature gauge. Our car hasn't even got a temperature gauge. No ammeter, no temperature gauge. Nothing like that. Nothing that looks really nice. It's just horrible grey plastic. I thought I'd wreck the steering. Going along a little country lane, there were cars coming the other way. It was fairly wide, but you know how some people have no idea of distance between them and this sort of hedgerow? So they're more or less in the middle of the road. I had to move over quite a bit. And there was a pothole. Trish saw it, but I, I didn't. I was watching the other cars. Suddenly, bang, bang, the two near side wheels went down this pothole. And the whole car, it really was a loud bang. And I thought, that's it. We're going to have a flat tyre, if not two flat tyres. And of course, these days... Do you have a spare wheel in the car and a jack? Oh, no, no, no. Spare wheel? What's that? I don't know what you meant to do. You meant to phone someone and say, well, we're stuck in this country lane, right, with a flat tyre or possibly two flat tyres. Apparently our breakdown cover does cover flat tyres because some of them don't. They'll just say, well, no, nothing to do with us. You'll have to sit there. Well, for how long? And do what do you do? Do you have to phone a garage? And they come out. In the old days, you have a puncher in your car. Luckily, it doesn't happen very often these days. But you'd have a puncher. You get the jack out of the car, jack the car up, take the wheel off, put your spare wheel on, do up the nuts, put the jack and everything back in the boot, and off you go. And then when convenient, whenever you're near a garage, you take it in, and they'll fix the puncher or the new tyre or whatever. These days, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Nightmare again. Ridiculous setup. Oh, my brother-in-law was funny. We went to our club last night for the, the, the quiz, the music quiz. And this friend of ours, Dave, he came along with us. And he was moaning. <laughs> I mean, I never moan. Trish would disagree with that, but I never moan. Anyway, he was saying that, oh, I, I can't cope anymore. I'm fed up with life. I can't cope with life. And he was feeling a bit down. And I started moaning. We were chatting and I said, oh, I don't know, the post office, they say they're going to deliver my iPad on Tuesday. Then it's tomorrow and then we're away and we had all this trouble. And my brother-in-law was watching us both. He said, why don't you two go and sit on your own over there and have a moan off? You heard of Bake Off, that sort of thing? Have a moan off. So <laughs> we thought that was quite funny. That cheered Dave up a little bit. 
I mean, I, I was cheered up already. What had happened, he thought he'd move his television in the lounge and he had to rerun the aero, you know, the coax cable. So he bought some coax. He bought a 50-metre drum of coax. I don't know why, but he did. He only wanted a few metres. And he redid it up in the loft, brought it down, was it up, yeah, I think in the loft, brought it down into the lounge. And since he's moved the telly with his new coax, he can barely get any channels. <laughs> They're all weak and faded. And He said he'd, he'd spent hours on it. He redid the plugs. He can't make it work properly. And he was wondering what, what uh, the problem was. So perhaps it's the coax itself that's faulty. It does happen. But that's what started him moaning. So, of course, then I joined in. And that's when my brother-in-law said you ought to have a moan off. <laughs> As I said to Dave, you come here to our club. It's my job to moan about how loud the music is and all that. I said, you've come here. You've given me competition. Anyway, I did win. Oh, that music. There was this, it was a quiz. And there's this chap. Is he a DJ or a quiz master? I don't know what he is. Why do they shout? He was shouting and then he, he was playing bits of records, introductions to records and you have to guess which one it is and write it down. And everything was so loud. So what I did was I took one of my tissues for my cold, tore it up and stuffed it in each ear <laughs> as earplugs. <laughs> that did help a little bit. It made it bearable at least. But I just can't stand all this noise, people shouting and music blasting. Pink Floyd, the tribute band, that was loud, but that was different. We're not trying to talk. There aren't a load of people at tables all chatting to each other, shouting because the music is loud. So the music gets louder because they're all talking. Oh, disaster. Hate it. I hate noise. I hate all this noise. But as I say, Pink Floyd, a live band, if you've gone to watch them, then yes, that's loud, but that's all right. I used to love the live bands at the pubs in the old days. They were really good. And of course, if you wanted a chat, then you obviously wouldn't stand in front of the speakers, you know? You wouldn't stand there with their Marshall 100 watt amps and their guitars screaming. Oh, brilliant. Talk about happy days. I used to love that. A moan off. I just I keep thinking about that, a moan off. Do you know what I did when I got home? Trisha said, do you want a cup of tea? I said, yes, I will. I'll have a cup of tea in bed because I got this cold. I, I play on it a bit, you know. Well, like, like men do, don't they? You got a bit of a cold and you make out you're really ill. I said, I'd like a cup of tea in bed and a jam sandwich. At midnight last night, I was sitting up in bed watching telly, a cup of tea and a jam sandwich. How, how decadent is that? That's the way to live, isn't it? I love it. I've got to leave you with that thought, with that image in your mind. <laughs> I shall see you next Wednesday for the midweek message. Hopefully I'll be feeling a bit better and sounding a little bit better by then. So as usual, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Not quite sure what that means. It leaves you open to do basically whatever you want to do, doesn't it? Raise rants at protonmail.com. Behave yourselves. What is it they say? Be good, and if you can't, be careful or something. I'll see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.